All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Hopefully you're here from the Waffle Zone. You've already heard that. But if not, welcome to the zone here. I have with me all the way in Perth, Australia, Kirsty. How are you, ma'am? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It seems like we've just got done talking or waffling. <laughs> we definitely have just done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So... This week, we are going to review an album that Kirsty requested. You recall requesting this? Yes. Pretty recently. Um, it is an Iron Maiden zone. It is. And I I feel like last year, I don't think we I don't think we reviewed an Iron Maiden album all last year at all. And we I did thought, lots of battles, didn't we? We did battles and lists and Iron Maiden stories, but no albums. And I thought this year I want to I want to get on a different footing because I I thought this is the this will be the third full year this is going starting year 3 of the uh Iron Maiden zone and I thought I wanted to, this year I really want to try to you know get the ship a little more veered toward Iron Maiden so we are going to do that we're starting off big this year uh we're going all the way back into the you would call Killers classic era, wouldn't you? Uh, it is to me, but um, I guess some people would call it from Number of the Beast to... Yeah, Seventh Son. It depends what's classic for which people, doesn't it? True, true. But going all the way back into the early, the very early era of Iron Maiden uh, with Paul Diano, we've already reviewed the first album. So once this is over, we won't have any more... Paul Diano albums to review. I guess we could do uh, Made in Japan at some point. Yes, we could. Yep. We is... won't be doing any of his solo work. <laughs> we might do his first solo album right after he left Maiden. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I remember I was listening to that on that uh, Talking Maiden episode a couple weeks ago and they were playing some of that. And I was laughing. It's so funny. It's so it's such a drastic shift. So. I know. Such a shame. Yeah. So. Let's, so let's ask you a question here, Kirsty. Tell me, what was your introduction to this album and what was your reaction to it when you first heard it? Well, I, um, I got into Iron Maiden in 1987. Um, by the end of 1988, I would have had all of the Bruce Dickinson albums, including Live After Death. Mm-hmm. And I went to go and see the Seventh Son tour. So it was my first time seeing Iron Maiden mm. and they played Killers and I'd never heard it before. Ah. And you know, they've got that um, harmonic that Dave plays. And I was like, wow, that just sounds awesome. I wonder how, that, how he's doing that. I thought it was some sort of magic. <laughs> and um, I was just absolutely blown away and I just couldn't wait to get the Killers album and listen to it. And I got the Iron Maiden one as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's different, but I enjoyed them both straight away. And like, yeah, I don't think you did, did you? <laughs> when, let me ask you this. When you first heard Killers, you you did know at that point, like when you got it, you knew already. That... I did know that it was going to be Paul Diano. Okay. Yes. Okay. So it was Because I, I was, you know, I've gone, I've gone pretty hard that previous year. I bought yeah. all the albums, but I'd also bought any magazines that might have uh, Maiden articles in right. them. And Gotcha. Fully decorated my whole bedroom and everything. So, <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, yeah. For me, I got into Maiden just a little before you. I believe it was it would have been uh, either probably around 
It was 86. It was before Somewhere in Time was out. So it must have been before summer, maybe May, March, April, May, somewhere in there. All right. But I got, I started with Peace of Mind. I heard the Flight of Icarus. I, uh, you know, Live, Live After Death was the first album I ever had. So I heard, you know, all these songs, you know, with Paul, De- you know, that were Paul Diano songs, obviously. Mm. And. I was getting the catalog. I, like you, saw the Seventh Sun tour as well. First show, fantastic first show, <laughs> to say the least. And I don't remember having the experience of hearing Killers and going, oh, I got to hear that. I heard Made in Japan before I heard anything else, uh, as far as with the first album or Killers, at least. And I remember going to a record store at this mall and getting it and seeing, you know, they see that cover with Eddie holding that that big sword and you're like, Oh wow, this looks awesome. Yeah, It's a fantastic cover. Yeah, And it was cheap, you know, cause there's only, I think my version had five songs on it. It had, uh, had running free, innocent exile, uh, killers. Um, uh, what else did it have on it? it had, um, uh, it, uh, remember tomorrow. And it seems like there was something else on it. I can't think of right on the top of my head. Has it got drifter on it. No, it wasn't drifter. I can't remember no. what, I can't remember what it was. Uh, uh, Maybe it's on. Maybe it's on Killers. I'll look at it. Look at us not knowing anything about. Yeah, Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is an Iron Maiden pod. Oh, it had Wrathchild, I believe. It had Wrathchild. Oh, of course it did. Yeah. So, yeah. but I remember hearing that, and I loved that version. Like I did. I didn't listen to it and think, "Oh, Paul sounds really different than Bruce." I just I really liked it because live it, it had a whole different feel to it. Mm. And I remember getting Killers on cassette, and it just I was just like. It started off with the Ides of March and I liked it. And but man, listening to Paul Diano, I just his voice just did not work for me. It's I don't think he's a terrible singer, but at that time I was just like, I don't know about that. I don't know. And and it's we'll get into where where I'm at with it now later. Sure. But yeah, that was my introduction to it. And I I'm really glad that those songs are on Made in Japan because it was a great introduction to you know, Innocent Exile and Killers and Wrathchild. So so what we're going to do here is we're going to do two things. We're going to uh, discuss the... And, and you, <laughs> I should have talked about this first, I guess. But we're doing... You have, you have 11 songs, correct? Yeah. Okay. Let me read them in order, really. I'm going to read them in order just to make, <laughs> sure, make sure we have the same 11 because I know there's been some alternate versions and things. Uh, Ides of March, Wrathchild, Murders in the Rue Morgue, Another Life, Genghis Khan, Innocent Exile, Killers, Prodigal Son, Purgatory, Twilight Zone, and Drifter. It's incredible that we both have the same version. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> so. Yeah. I've seen there's one with um, women in uniform on it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Seems... I definitely wouldn't want it on there. I'm glad that yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's not on here. So we'll 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 take a that was a win for us. Mm. <laughs> so we're already winning. So let's see here. Um, but yeah, we'll go through we'll go through the eleven songs, discuss them, and then at the end we will rank them in order of least best to most best, or however you yes. want to say it. And that will be council's order, of course. But I figure, and oh, I have to say this. When when I sent you the message and I said, "Hey, 
the first thing we're going to do, we're going to do killers right off the bat because you had asked for it. And I was in that mindset of let's, let's hammer down some Iron Maiden and let's start doing some um, uh, reviews again. You know, cause I it's just, and, and I'll, and here's what we've done so far. You know, we've done the first Iron Maiden album. Uh, I've done number of the beast. I want to do a redo on that one with you and Matt. And uh, I've see here, haven't done peace of mind. Uh, have not done power slave. Uh, somewhere in time, we did an extensive <laughs> somewhere yes, in time. Yes, we've definitely done that. Yeah. Uh, have not done Seventh Son. Uh, have not done No Prayer. Another extensive, uh, kind of extensive, uh, Fear of the Dark. Yes, we've I, I done feel like, Fear of the Dark. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did the I did the, I did the, the feedback on that one, too. That's right. I was going to say, I did that one by myself. but and, That was the first fan feedback I did, but it was basically you saying, is Fear of the Dark better than, and me saying no. <laughs> 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 but every single album. Yeah, it was also the uh, those are the episodes that got you to listen to my podcast because you said you saw it and it yeah. said what was the, the the best of the worst or fear of the dark or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like that, that pulled me in. I was, was like intriguing. So, so I just want to make it a, say something about you to people. Every time you hear Kirsty saying that I'm being too negative, just remember she was drawn by the negativity. <laughs> no, I was drawn by the positivity. The best of the worst of yeah. of the dark. <laughs> You're like he can negative and positive at the same time. What so. good things are you going to find to say about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so and let's see. Okay. Uh, also, have not done X Factor, but have done Virtual Eleven. Uh, haven't done Brave New World, The Dance of Death, Matter of Life and Death, but have done the Final Frontier. I want to redo on that one as well because I did. That was the very first one I ever did. Was was the Final Frontier. And I have not done. Yeah, you did not spend nearly long enough on that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was literally that was literally like my first three months of doing episodes. I think I was I did that. Sure. So, uh, and then I did Book of Souls. Oh, no, it did not do Book of Souls. And we, me, Andrew, and James did a like a first take on Senjutsu when it came out. So hope- yeah, that was so good. It was a lot of fun. And James, we did the episode before that where he was predicting, like he was going over every song and telling us what it was going to be. So, so <laughs> he's so fun, man. So, okay. So now, but now what we're going to do though, because we've done that many and I plan on getting through a lot of these albums this year. I don't know how many, because it depends on Iron Maiden stories and ranking episodes. And, and we have a lot of stuff planned already. So you're aware of it and nobody else is, but you're aware of a lot of it. So. Uh, so Kirsty, let me take another yes. drink and I want you. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say. Kirsty told me when we were going to do this, when I first messaged her about it, she said, Ides of March has to be a separate song from Wrathchild. It can't be the intro. And why is that Kirsty? Well, because it's its own song. Um, it's only a minute 44, so I know what you mean, but and it does go very well with Rothschild. Yeah. But um, I'd just call it an introduction to the album because Rothschild is often played without Ides of March. Sure. And Ides of March, well, it used to be called Intro. That was its original name. <laughs> and for the Eddie Rips Up the World tour, they had it as an intro. But they didn't start with Rothschild. They started with either Murders in the Room or, or Another Life. So that's why I believe it's its own song. So I have a question. I, I, I know I've seen that, but it's been a while. And I can't remember. And I know you remember. So if they opened with Ides of March, 
and they went into Murders of the Room War, did it immediately go into the part where he starts drumming really fast? Or did it go into the slow no, part of Murders in the Room War as well? Yeah, I think so. But, um, yeah, I can't fully remember either. Yeah. They were just playing Ides of March okay. on their speakers. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started here. We will start with Ides of March, obviously. And I'm going to let you go first on Ides of March. So. what you have to tell us on Ides of March, Kirsty. Yeah, an instrumental, so you'll be loving this, won't you? <laughs> Don't give anything away, fabulous, come on. <laughs> fabulous drum intro. Um, this was, um, when it was written, I think was Thunderstick in the band. Yes. In Iron Maiden, and he went on to be the drummer with Samson, which is Bruce Dickinson's old band. Mm -hmm. They released a very similar song called Thunderburst. Yeah. Um, so you'd think that Steve Harris wrote it with Thunderstick. But Steve says not. Steve says he wrote the drum part and he's got a credit on Thunderburst. Interestingly enough, in I've been reading a book lately. Excellent. And the What book is that? It's Lewis's new book. Do you know the name of it? Eddie Made Me Do It. Eddie Made Me Do It. And... I'll just say this, that Thunderstick did have a hand in writing this song a whole lot more than Steve Harris has led on. Yes, I was wondering about that. It is brought up because all I, I can say is I have some notes of the book right in front of me. And all I have written is Ides of March dash Thunderstick. Yes, because um, I've seen that Steve said he wrote the drum part. I've read Paul Diano back him up on that but it's um it's not like any other drum part steve's written is it so that is definitely believable that he didn't it's possible but there's a story and i was talking to matt about this the other day 
You know the story, and we've all heard this story, especially if you listen to The Best of the Beasts. Iron Maiden was playing in the cart and horses on some given day, and the phone rings. And the guy answers the phone, and he gets Steve. Hey, there's a phone call for you. Steve gets on the phone, and he gets told, we already have a band named Iron Maiden. You need to quit using the name. What did Steve do next? Uh, register the name. He ran out and registered that name faster than the other guy could. Yeah. So Steve Harris is, is, I mean, I love Steve Harris. Thank God for Steve Harris. He's a shrewd guy. and Yes, he's a good businessman. He certainly probably recorded this song before Thunderburst came out. <laughs> mm. So got the credit on the album and there's no way he's going to put out a song on an album and say, this was written by me and our former drummer for three months or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it said about it, but if I remember correctly, Steve Harris didn't write this song. (laughs) So sure. But he's got sole credit for everything on killers except killers and twilight zone. Yeah. And, um, I'm trying to remember if there's another song on this album that, uh, no, there's not another song on this album that I know of that, that wasn't written by him. So, but that's an interesting story. Anyway, on this, uh, on this song. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's It's basically the intro to solos and an outro. Mm -hmm. And what it is, it's our introduction to Martin Birch. Yes. And Adrian Smith. Mm -hmm. So, the intro, it's got this really memorable guitar line, and it goes almost straight into Adrian's solo. So that's our introduction to him, and he doesn't disappoint. Yes, that's right. And, of course, our introduction to the way that he works with Dave so perfectly. Yeah. I absolutely love this lineup. It's really tight. They just work really well together during the dual guitar harmonies straight away. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this song because it's um, extremely short. Yeah, as is... My piece about it here too, it's, it's obviously mm. short. Like you said, there's dual guitar lines immediately, you know, along with that really awesome drumming, you know, the drumming's awesome. Awesome. The soloing is awesome. Like you said, Adrian comes in with that first solo. They both do these really great solos. It's a phenomenal instrumental it's 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 really it's it's one of my favorite instrumentals they've done because it's not crazy it's just very melodic and lots of dual leads it's a perfect opening for this album it's a perfect introduction to the difference in the sound of what it sounded like with martin birch producing and it's a perfect opening for track number two which is wrath child
So track number two, as I alluded and said, is Wrathchild. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot written down here, but it starts off with a really quick bass intro. Uh, the song, it's quick and to the point. The guitars are nice. The verses, something that I've discovered about this album by listening to it a lot in this past week is I enjoy Paul Diano better when he's not having to sing really, 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 really fast and tons of words when he has mm. time, when he has time to sing born into a scene of anger and greed, you know, it's not like he's having to like the next song that's on this album. It's a lot, but, but on this one, he's got say, it doesn't matter. Ain't nothing going to alter the course of my destination. That's a cool line, though. It's a bit tricky. He totally nails that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess Bruce nailed it on um, Live After Death. So Yeah. And, no, not Live After Death. And there's something else oh, I yeah. wanted to say uh, about... Um, about uh, Obviously, I like this song. I liked it ever since I heard it on Made in England. It's, it's, qu- mm-hmm. it's another quick song. You know, I think it's only, what, 255? So, it, but if you include the intro, it's, it's about, you know, four minutes long. There was a, uh, I was telling you that I was listening to Talking Maiden, the Birth of the Beast episodes earlier. And, yeah. and our friend James Frazier had called in at the very end because they talked about, they were went through the band history and when they were doing shows and they would read set lists from shows they were doing before Paul Diano was in the band. And I happened to have one of those set lists here and I was, I was starting to read it to you earlier and you told me to stop and save it. So here we go. This there's a soundboard audio recording from April of 77, April of 1977 people, which is what is that? 45 years ago, 40, almost 46 years ago now. And I know Um, (laughs) it, it was when we were young, we were, we were still in our single digit ages back then. Um, yes. But listen to the set list from b- before Paul Diano was in the band. I'm just going to read this and see if you recognize any of these songs. Most of them are from this album. Drifter. Well, they did I've Got the Fire as well, which they did a cover oh, of. Yeah. Um, Drifter. Prowler. Another Life. So that's two right there from this album. Transylvania. That's three. Floating. Transylvania is not on this album. Oh, okay. My bad, my bad. Uh, floating, which is Purgatory, the original name for mm-hmm. Purgatory, um, Wrathchild, Charlotte the Harlot, Innocent Exile, and the title track of the band, Iron Maiden. So five songs that they were playing without Paul Diano, plus the other ones from the first album that they were playing without Paul Diano, they were writing Phantom of the Opera around this time as well. And I just felt like I needed to say this. Because James asked a question of those guys and he said, or he said, you guys have been talking about this and I've always heard of the first two albums as being the Paul Diano albums. And Bruce didn't really need to be singing those songs as much because they were written for Paul. But Paul wasn't in the band until I want to say the following year. And yeah, it was, it was in 1978 because a certain amount of people quit the band. One of them was Dennis Wilcock, who was the singer at the time. So if all yeah, of these... they were down to almost nobody by then, weren't they? Yes, that's right. It was it was basically Steve and Dave and maybe Paul Sampson on drums. Is that the right name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No, it was uh, Doug Sampson. Sorry, Doug Sampson. Yeah. So I think it was the three of them. And none of these songs were written for Paul Diano. 
which is what I, the whole point of it. None of these songs were written with Paul Diano in mind. They were just written in Steve Harris's style at the time, obviously, because, or he might've been writing for some for Paul Mario Day, right? Not Paul Mario Day, uh, Dennis Wilcock. I'm getting all these names yeah. confused. Well, you don't know. Some of them are very old. Yeah, yeah. So it could have been. But none of them were written for Paul Diano. And I did a poll a couple weeks ago, and one particular guy was coming on there, oh, Paul Diano's God and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, and they everyone equates this era of the band to Paul Diano, you know? This is the Paul Diano version of the band. It's Paul Diano era. This is not Paul Diano era. He just is singing other people's songs at this point. Well, that that's an opinion, isn't it? That he could say that Brave New World's not a Bruce Dickinson era, then couldn't you? Because Absol- a lot of the songs were written for Blaze Bailey. Absolutely, that's that's correct. But there's a little bit of a different precedent because they probably reworked the songs because Steve Harris was a much better songwriter at that point. Well, it, the, definitely the songs have um, evolved a lot by the time they got to recording Killers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the other thing, I did want to say this to you earlier, I meant to say this before we started recording, was when you listen to Number of the Beast after you listen to this and the songwriting, it's amazing how much the songwriting evolved in that sh- in that short, short span of a time, right? Bruce and Adrian did quite a bit of writing for the Number of the Beast yes. also. And the fact that, like I said, a lot of these songs were five, six, seven, eight years old at that point. So yeah, so it's but it's amazing that they went from putting this stuff on one album to holy crap, Children of the Damned, Hallowed Be Thy Name, you know, with little he- little help there as well. Mm. Um, Can you imagine that they've written all these albums, these songs for about eight years, and they've really honed them um, and they've got them exactly how they want to be for this album. Yeah, and they're recording it while they're writing it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, So, yeah, but I wanted to point that out because I think people harp so much on this being the Paul Diano era, and I usually think of it that way, too. I'm like, well, those were written for Paul. I mean, it makes sense that Bruce doesn't sing them as well or doesn't sound as as good on them. They just sound that way better with Paul because he was the one who sang them on the albums, and that's – but they weren't written for Paul. So I think that's just something I wanted to make sure and get across. <laughs> have I gotten my point across? Sure. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have. They weren't written for Paul, except maybe Killers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe Killers and um, Remember Tomorrow. So maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Not this album, though. So never mind. No. Kirsty, <laughs> what do you think about yes. Wrathchild? Ra- I've got some fun facts. From Uh-oh. a book called The Detailed Discography of the Beast by Lewis Mariano. Ah, there we go. Um, so it's one of only two songs to be sung by every Iron Maiden singer. Ah, cool. I couldn't even tell you all of them, but they've all sang this and Iron Maiden, of course. And it's the first song played by Dave Murray in his audition. So it's pretty old. Yeah. And um, I've heard the early version from the 70s with Dennis Wilcox singing. Yeah. And it was quite a bit slower. And um, then for Metal for Mothers as well, uh, it was recorded. And that's really interesting. It's got faster and heavier, which suits me. Right. And um, Adrian added all the guitar fills over the top, which just absolutely makes the song so much better. Um, it gets a bad rap because people think it's used too much live. Um, but it's, it's short. Why wouldn't you? I I recently went to see Iron Maiden cover band play the number of the beast in full. 
And when they finished, I thought, oh, they'll probably do Fear of the Dark now. Mm-hmm. And when I heard the bass intro for Rathchart, I was really excited. It's got such a good energy. Yeah. Um, who would love this bass line? It's like a fairly straightforward song. But the bass is amazing and it's very prominent. Mm-hmm. I think the bass is really interesting on this album because Steve's mostly playing melodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's. I think Paul does a really good job here, like I say. Um, yeah, great song, great solo, nice and quick, really fun. Great song, yeah. Nice and quick, something that's never said about songs mm-hmm. anymore about Iron Maids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they say about Iron Maiden? A long Iron Maiden song is a good Iron Maiden song. <laughs> That's what I say. Well, sometimes. Can sometimes. be. Can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So track number three is Murders in the Rue Morgue. I'm not sure when this one was written because I haven't read about it yet. In ni- I'm in 1978. I haven't heard of this one mm. yet. So this must have been a newer write, I'm guessing. So Yes, yeah. I think it might have been written for the album. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think of Murders in the Rue Morgue? doing quiet intros that don't really have too much to do with the main song yeah but it is really nice it's a really nice intro Mm -hmm. and then there's a great drum intro into the actual song oh this song's very fast with lots and lots of words yes um when i heard um bruce dickinson singing it on beast over hammersmith he's he's not even singing it he's shouting it and i think it's because there's Way too many words packed into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the instrumental section's got some really nice dual guitar harmonies. And I think the guitar tone's really great on this album as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I really like the way the guitars sound. But this song seems, it feels longer than it is to me, which it can't be a good thing because there aren't really any long songs on this album. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I think That's I feel I feel like it feels longer because it has the slow intro. Yeah, it's it's kind of forerunner to some epics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um 
for me, I, I, I'm like you, I think that, that, uh, that opening for the song, it, it's fantastic that, you know, slow with the dual lead lines and everything. Uh, it's so good. And then, like you said, you get like the, that, that intro and it's so fast. Uh, I wrote, I wrote, this is what I wrote. Clive uh, is really, it's a really fast paced song, quick vocal lines with lots of lyrics. <laughs> um, there's a bit in the middle of the song that I'm not a huge fan of when he's like, uh, now I got to get away from the eyes of the law. Do, 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 do. And like, uh, it, it, it seems a little bit invaders ish, that little part, you know, do, 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 yeah. do, do. there's multiple, uh, bits on this album that have that invaders do, 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 do kind of vibe to it. So for mm-hmm. him to poo poo all over that song in particular, and not some of these old songs that he seemed like he was so proud of. It's weird. It's weird because yeah, it is what it is, but yeah. There's yeah. A, I don't know where it comes from. It's probably from hearing other people say things. Yeah. Yeah. But, that, but supposedly he was saying that early on. I asked Lewis about that and he said mm. he was saying that stuff early on back then. So interesting. Yeah. And at the, uh, you, the, I think the guitar part you were talking about was at, it's, it's at the 249 mark. There's a really good bit with the, uh, harmony guitars playing together. The guys playing together. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really good. So, yeah, that bit's fabulous. Yes. Yes. Um, definitely not my favorite on the album. Uh, it's, it's, this is mm-hmm. like hearing this is kind of when I was really noticing, man, when there's so many, when there's so many, lyrics together so fast uh, i don't like it as much so at least not from paul i like i mean bruce has stuff like that too you know you think of like the loneliness of the long distance runner but there's it, that's fast but, but also heaven can wait yeah 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 better example actually <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's see uh next track up is track number four another life be honest i don't remember ever hearing this on killers i when i the first time i really ever remember noticing it was the first time i heard beast over hammersmith like i just didn't listen to killers enough to really remember much other than the songs that were on um made in japan so mm. you know and bruce was doing his little talking thing it's about a guy who goes up to top goes up top and comes back for a second go or whatever he says and he's got that that funny, what'd you call it? The uh, uh, Cockney accent or whatever. So, yeah. But, um, and I heard it on there and hearing it live, it, it, it's amazing 
listening to Clive play those songs live so well. It sounds so good. Mm. Man, he's so good. It was, it's really, I'm so glad Beast Over Hammersmith exists because there's a full live album of Clive Burr. I think that's so cool. Um, but this one starts, it's got the drum bit and then, uh, the quick guitar intro thing with the drumming along and the, the guitars sound nice there. I like it. Um, this vocal line, it's not as fast as murders in the room org. Um, okay. Here's another invaders part where he's like, I might as well end today. Do 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 that. That reminds me of invaders. It's just do 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 and that's so fast. He plays the drums so fast in this song. I really, he's the star to me. Him and Steve are just like Steve's bass playing in this song is so yeah. fast, but the riff of the song, it's got a cool riff. Um, let's see, there's uh what else do I got here? But the song is like really, really aggressive. And there's a lot of good uh, guitar soloing in it as well. So, mm. uh, that's what I, I do like this one. I do like this song. So what about you? Yeah. So I've got, it's got another epic drum intro. Like quite a lot of the songs on this album. Yeah. So yeah, they make good use of Clive. Yeah. Um, I'm saying it, it could be like a fairly basic rock and roll song with the first lyrics repeated three times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, like you'd say, like the, um, the partnership with Steve and Clive, it's really interesting rhythm section, great guitars. I love the screaming guitars all over it. Makes it a lot more exciting. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, is it clever because he's lying in his bed with the same thoughts going over and over his head that they repeat it three times? <laughs> or is it just a bit lazy? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, unless the lyrics are really outstanding or very bad, it, it doesn't affect my enjoyment either way. So, sure. Yeah, yeah another, another sort of nice, short, well-written, yeah. tight song. Yeah, that yeah. I really like. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so uh, number five, track number five is an instrumental. I think Genghis Khan, what do you think? His intros are all very drum heavy, like I say. Um, this one's got a really good military feel. Okay. So, yeah, I love the drum pattern again. Uh, it's incredibly fast. Yeah. This would have been really fun live. Like, you know, imagine head banging to this, but um, <laughs> the time change is really abrupt. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I love the echoing guitars over the rhythm on the second half. And something I noticed about this rhythm, but I'm sure it's been mentioned before, um, but the second half is very, very much Hallowed Be Thy Name. Hmm. You know what? I, Wayne might have said that. He might. Yeah, he might have done. That might be He's where usually pretty it. good at picking up if a song sounds like another song. He is, yeah. Because I noticed it by myself and then I was like, I think somebody else has said that though. But yeah. You're talking about the part where it kind of slows down some? Yeah. It just sounds like the bit under Hallowed Be Thy Name. Yeah, yeah. But with these really good echoing guitars over the top. Oh, yeah. This was actually written to fill a gap on the album. But yeah, it's a really, really good song. Yeah, yeah. It's that bit we were just talking about that where it slows down everything. Where it down, 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 down. That guitar line is so yeah. good. I love that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and and the bass at the be- the, the the bass guitars and drums. It's like I wrote, it's like an aggressive bass drum guitar clinic from the band, like to open the like song. It's just very aggressive and um, mm. and it's it's so it's so fast and I love when it goes from all that fast because I almost don't like it, but it builds you builds you builds and all of a sudden it gets that. That part, like that, makes it that makes that part so much better, because and then the way it you know it, it ends and it kind of slows down and everything. I like it. It's a good one. It's interesting too yeah. that we're technically five songs in, even though you know the intro Ides of March, five songs in and two of them are instrumentals already. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting, I think. So uh, track number six is. Innocent Exile. from made in japan uh i've always really been drawn to this one i always liked it uh, i like the bass intro um it's got a good tempo you know when the guitars kind of start in they're kind of that kind of like a little bit of screaming wow wow all that stuff that they're doing that's really cool and i like the pace that uh, he's singing you know when he comes in my life is so empty it's not it's not like it's the way Murders in the Room Org was, just so quick. Yeah. Um, 
and I really like the bit where he says, uh, you know, never had no trouble before this all began. Da 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 this song, I really like every bit of this song musically. I like the verses. I like everything on this song. Um, I'm so glad that it was on Made in Japan. So what about you? What do you think of Innocent Exile? Oh, yeah, love it. Um, so this evolved from a Gypsy's Kiss song called The Pit, which was written in 1974. Ah, wow. So it's a very old song. But it would have changed quite a lot over time, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's got a really great bass intro. Um I love the tone of the guitars over the bass at the start. Um, it starts off a little bit funky. It's got yeah. lots of stops and starts. Just love the rhythm. And in the the rhythm in the bridge, um, it speeds right up in the instrumental section, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Dave does this really energetic, blistering solo, and then Adrian comes in with one. I've got hundreds of favourites, but this is one of my favourites. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he uses lots of wah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love Paul's scream at the end. So, oh, yeah, yeah, like you, I love everything about this song. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of this one. Okay, uh, you're up next with Killers, the title track, Kirsty. Yeah, so another great brace intro. Mm, another one. Yeah, uh, you know I really love this song because I've talked about how I um I heard it live mm-hmm. on the Seventh Sun tour, and then I had to buy the album. Um, it's got a really suspenseful intro, mm-hmm. and the drums on this they remind me of Run to the Hills. Yeah. Yeah, that Run to the Hills a little bit. Okay. Um, when it kicks in with the harmonics, that's just um yeah, love that bit, and. It's got totally metal lyrics. Mm-hmm. Paul does some really good screams and cackles. I think this is such a Paul song. Mm-hmm. He really sounds like he could knife you in a subway. <laughs> or it's like Bruce would be telling you a story about somebody getting knifed in a subway. Exactly. Um, yeah, he missed a gig once for carrying a pocket knife. 
I remember hearing about that. Yeah. The sound that Steve had to sing for him. Um, the two solos are really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I like the little squeak at the start of Adrian's, which gives it a bit of a live sound as well. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nah. <laughs> you wrote more about the soloing than I did, but I do like, I, I wrote cool soloing. So it means I must've really been liking the soloing that was going on, but yeah, another, another bass intro, a very cool bass intro, uh, you know, and then the, and this was also on made in Japan, you know, hearing all those, you know, Paul doing all that. I, and I, when I listen mm-hmm. to this, I do, I like when I'm singing along with his screams, I sing along with the made in Japan screams kind of the way he did them there. Yeah, it was so prominent to me. Um, but yeah, I love those. Their screams are really good. Uh, there's a lot of really, it's really good musically. Um, the vocals, the melodies in the song are really good. You know, the, the again, they're not too fast like murders in the room org. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a ton of cool soloing. And this, this is a, this is a top notch track as well on this album. So I really yeah, like definitely. That. Yeah. Yeah. So uh track number eight is like a total one eighty on this album uh, prodigal son It's got, it starts slow with, you know, the intro is really slow. Uh, it's a light musical touch. And one of the things I think is really cool about this is Paul actually sounds like he's really singing instead of uh, without the grittiness in his voice. 
and he's got a nice voice. Like you listen to this and you're like, man, yeah. he sounds really good doing that. Um, there's a breakdown part in the middle uh, where, where, the, where the, the song just basically kind of shifts gears for a minute and the soloing that's going on really, really nice. I believe it's Dave playing that bit. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent, but, but what, whoever and Dave. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're never going to let da- Adrian not get credit. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really good. <laughs> and like a do it. Famous solo that talked about a lot. Uh, Quite a famous Adrian solo that gets talked about a lot. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm, I do an Iron Maiden podcast, but I don't know about it all. <laughs> Just because I have a podcast oh, yeah. doesn't mean I, mean, I know. I mean, I'm in more than one Adrian Smith group, so true. coming at it from a different angle. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I think this song is um, it's definitely very interesting on the album. And I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. I don't love it, love it. But I definitely think it's interesting and it's a cool song to have for a change of pace on the album. What about you? What do you think of Prodigal Son? Yeah, I love that one too. Killer's Prodigal Son. I think that's really nice, the way it goes, that change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really nice acoustic song. I just love the way the guitars sound. I think they've got a bit of a 70s vibe. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of these songs probably came out of the 70s, but this one more than any of the others. Yeah. Um, I really like the vocal melody. I really like the bass line. But mm-hmm. yeah, as I've just alluded, I think everyone can guess my favorite thing about this song is the solos <laughs> uh, especially adrian's but dave's is really nice too but i could play adrian's on a loop oh yeah i, I probably have done <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's pretty this cool is a, this is a really nice nice song to me yeah it's it's just it's, it's so interesting because i guess everything on the al- everything else on the album you know other than a few small moments is just really Pretty aggressive. Hard rock. Yeah. 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 Speaking of aggressive, the next song is Purgatory. Track number nine, so we're we're moving through this one pretty quick. Uh, Purgatory, and this yeah. was originally called Floating. So, mm. what do you think of Floating? <laughs> yeah, I heard when it was called Floating, um, and it was kind of like a little bit funky, a little bit reggae almost. Mm. So this has come a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's very very fast. Um, I love the way the song starts. Um, it's got a really cool chorus you could like to sing along to and I think a lot of people think it's called Please Take Me Away yeah yeah um, I love the singing on this is really good mm-hmm. and all of 
Dave's embellishments all over it, especially just before the chorus um, really make this a very interesting song. But okay. it's, it's never been like one of my very favorites, but I do enjoy it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's another one of these fast paced songs. Uh, the, the music's fast and the vocals are kind of fast in this one too. Uh, I do like that there's they're doing like a this lead line, a cool like a dual lead thing while he's doing the the vocals, mm. the lyric, the verses. I think that's pretty cool. Um I'm not a huge fan of the chorus. Um it's not it's not too bad. <laughs> it's not a huge fan. And I do like the little bit when they do please take me away. There's that little musical thing that they're doing. Uh but it's, but it's pretty quick. Oh. Uh, yeah. Right. And yeah, this this one's not this one's never really been a favorite of mine. Like when I, when I listen to it, I just, I, 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 there's a certain line in the song that I feel like whenever I listen to the song, please take me away. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not a huge, uh, I don't hate it, but I just really, it just kind of gets on my nerves when I listen to it. I'm just like, okay, come on, let's. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us to track number 10 which is a song title that part of my podcast is named after, even though it was named uh, after the TV show, but it fits in pretty well since it's an Iron Maiden uh, podcast and they have a song called Twilight Zone. really like the riff the opening riff on this one it's a really cool riff mm. uh, I think the the vocal lines are pretty quick in this one as well but I, I like this one a bit more than um, because I think Paul pulls it off pretty well here uh, I think the story is interesting in the uh, lyrics yes. uh, I was reading them the other day and I didn't really know them all that well but I was like that's a really pretty pretty cool story you know about I guess being in the room and and the person doesn't know you're there I guess really which I guess kind yeah. of epitomizes the cover. You know, this is one of the really cool uh, singles covers that they had, right? Where the girl's sitting in front of the mirror. Yeah, and she could see, you could see Eddie in the mirror. Yeah, but she can't, yeah, but she can't. So that's, that's right. But she can't. It's very fitting. It's very fitting. And um, it's interesting that they called the song The Twilight, or they called it Twilight Zone, because I've seen all the Twilight Zones and there's none that are quite like that that I remember. Actually, there probably sure. are some that where there's a person that no one can see. But anyway, it, yeah, I like this song. I think it's a pretty good one myself. I don't, I didn't write anything else more down about it than that. Uh, it's it's quick. It's it's one of my more favorite fast paced songs with fast vocals. So 
if that makes sense. <laughs> so. Yeah. What, what do you think so, of uh, Killers? Uh, Twilight Zone, sorry. Twilight Zone. It was a double A side single with Rothschild. Ah, cool. And it wasn't ori- it wasn't on the album originally in the UK, but I'm glad it's on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the shortest Iron Maiden song with lyrics. Ah. So the shortest Iron Maiden song is I March. And this is the shortest one with lyrics. It's two minutes thirty four seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's fabulous. This is um, a Steve Harris Dave Murray credit. Okay. But Adrian said he wrote all the harmonies and a lot of the chord progressions, and Steve wasn't involved much. Interesting. And like you, I love the riff on this. Yeah. Uh, it sounds a bit like Don't Believe a Word by Thin Lizzy. Okay. And I think Paul really shines on this. Yeah. It's, it's got a great range. They, I actually think he's a really good singer. Um, and, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. So that leads us all the way to the final track on the album, which is called Drifter. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Um, it's a great song to end his time with Iron Maiden. Uh, it's fun. It's optimistic sounding. It's got a really great intro. I love when Paul sings Runaway. And the instrumental's got that really lovely slow section. And when it speeds up, it it's just packs quite a lot into a short space. Adrian's solo at the end's incredible. And Paul gives it everything on his last line with the band. But you'll be interested to know I was playing this... Um, Coco, my daughter, said, I don't like this song. And she turned it off and played Shout It Out Loud by Kiss. So <laughs> that's, that's her review of the song. <laughs> okay. What so do you think? Let's say that I'm going to probably be feeling a little more like Coco on this one. Um, yeah. The riff at the beginning is decent. Um, you know, Paul comes in at the start with a really good, like a really nice, long, good scream. It sounds really good. Um mm. I think the verses are not bad. Um, you know, got to keep on rolling, got to sing my song, that whole bit. Yeah, I'm just not really a fan of that melody. Uh, there's a middle bit where the bass and the drums are going so fast together with the guitars. Uh, it's impressive, yeah. but I really don't like it. I just It's a little... Maybe too. Okay. Maybe, maybe there's some bits that maybe they're too happy sounding. He's not writing in a darker vibe. Yeah, I, like I said, it is quite a happy sounding song. So yeah. I had a feeling that you wouldn't <laughs> be a big fan. Yeah, uh, th- no, there are some good. There's definitely some good guitar solos in the song. Um, and you you said uh, what was it, what exactly did you say again about Paul's last note? Oh, I just said he's just giving it everything on his last line. But he doesn't know, of course. 
Yeah, and I, I wrote about down to get sacked. Yeah, I wrote down Paul's wailing at the end just seems very forced and goes on way too long for my taste. It felt like that note would never oh. end. I'm like, dude, just you're, you're. It just didn't seem like him to be pushing at that. That sounded like a Bruce thing, mm-hmm. you know, to really hold a note out forever. Yeah, and it sounds good. It didn't sound to me that note doesn't sound good. It just I just didn't like it. But the the oh the other the only other thing I have written down is here is. When they do it live, obviously on uh, Beast Over Hammersmith, because I listened to the live versions of all of these, mm. and that was a lot of fun. The yo, 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 yo. I was like, if that was in this song, it would be my favorite part of the song. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Maybe other than the guitar solos. <laughs> you wouldn't, I wouldn't definitely not want to hear that in the studio version. Yo, yo. It's, it's fun. I guess it's you know, the crowd participation is what makes it good. It would be fun if you were there joining yeah. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, that's, uh, this is definitely just not one that I really care too much for. So, sure. It, it was one that I was like, you know, please take me away. I was back to the purgatory. <laughs> Put me in yep, a purgatory, yep. you know? So, um, oh, that was, uh, hey, we did it. We made it through Killers. We did it. All right. Yeah, you, you got through that. I'm sure some people are going to, uh, the, P, the the Paul Diano is God, uh, Iron Maiden's first two albums are their best. I'm sure those people, if they listen to this, are not going to be well, happy with me. I think, I think Paul's a really great singer, really charismatic. He's got a really good range. Um, he's quite aggressive yeah. and he's, he's even a little bit more metal, like old school metal, not before it went sure. into yeah. opera, power metal type thing. Yeah. Um, I can see why people like the first two albums. It's a bit like us, right? Sure, sure. We like Aussie-era Black Sabbath, don't we? We do. And then a singer with an operatic voice comes along singing about fantasy. We're like, oh, no. Yeah, there you go. Now so, you're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny, though? But, is- um, I love this album. This is the album I play the most. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I think is funny, because you have this in your CD player in your car, right? Yeah, I can never, it's never out. My car's broken down now, so it's a bit of an issue. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's consistent. I enjoy, I enjoy it as a whole from start to finish. Maybe your like car, maybe your album, car was saying, maybe your car was saying, please take me away. <laughs> uh, take me so far away from car. this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, Made in Japan, you got Innocent Exile, mm. and you got Killers, and, and none of the, and, and um, Running Free, Remember Tomorrow. None of those songs Ready have. Priest, no, yeah. None of them have the forced, super fast lyrics. You know, like they all kind of have pretty good mm. melody, right? Am I right? Is Killers yeah. Killers might be a little bit more fast paced than. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm I've been up for a long time. No, right it's now. manageable. Yeah. So, but you know, maybe if Drifter and and uh, Purgatory. Uh, if those were on Made in Japan, I might feel differently about them. There's definitely a possibility there because yep. I really like everything that was on Made in Japan. I mean, I think Made in Japan was like incredible. So, mm. and that's my abs. That's definitely Made in Japan is definitely my favorite Paul Diano stuff to hear. So, so um, the next thing we are going to do is rank the songs from least favorite to our most favorite, and this ought to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ought to be interesting. Yeah, for you. I mean, as I say, I, I like it because you like this album a lot. Yeah. As, a, as an album, and it's consistent, so it's not that easy. It is pretty consistent. I will give you that. But well, I've done it. <laughs> so 
I'll let you go first. What is your number 11? Well, a lot of people might be surprised and or disappointed. Uh But I did do this six months ago as well because I knew this was going to come up at some stage. (laughs) And and it hasn't changed. So it is Murders in the Rue Morgue. Oh, wow. Okay. That is a bit surprising. That's a bit surprising. Yeah. Uh, What is not a bit surprising, (laughs) as you can probably guess, my number 11 Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> it's drifting. Yeah, not too surprising. Yeah, I didn't think that would be a surprise. It's no, There's no drama built up in that. And um, there's a really nice uh, solo section in that song, I will say. But yeah, Paul's endless singing at the end just kind of really put the nail in the coffin. Because it was between that and, well, my number 10. I was kind of going back and forth between them two. At first, I just wrote them both at 10 and both at 11 because I was like, I could go mm-hmm. either way. But I at, feel like we might have a matchup at number 10. Uh, I'll be surprised. Uh, but you know what? Maybe we will. Let's see. We need a matchup somewhere, right? We have to. It's, yeah. It's a thing. So what is your number 10? Purgatory. You got it right, Kirsty. <laughs> we got a match at number 10. <laughs> Purgatory, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... Oh, uh, that's special. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I just uh yeah this one was yeah please take me away so that that's a very fitting line <laughs> for these two songs for me so uh, right. everything else up from here to me is uh, they could have left both of those off the album and to me it would have been a better album but uh, I also understand those it's were short yeah yeah it's already short but they, they, both of those songs yeah. were in Steve Harris's uh you know, repertoire for a long time. And so it's totally understandable that he put them on there. So, uh, and he held them, he held them back for this album, you know, because obviously these mm. songs were around when they did the first one. So, so, uh, that, that leads us to number 11. Do you think, how many more matches do you think we'll have out of the next? I'm sorry. I said 11, number nine. What do you think? How many more matches? Nine. How many matches do you think we'll have out of nine? One. You think we'll have one match? Okay. One more. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I, I, I'm struggling with thinking that we'll have very many because I just don't know what your list is going to be like. So, no. But we agreed on number ten, so that's a that's definitely a, a good sign. So, what do you got at number nine? Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to match that one. Uh, no. I have a feeling you're going to be really disappointed with this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number nine is Prodigal Son. Uh, I'm not. I could see it's kind of going to be one of those that's a bit polarizing. And I don't dislike it. Like, like there's bits. There's a lot of bits mm. that I like, but it's, it really is kind of a one-dimensional song in a way for them. There's not. It, is that really? You know, other than that one little solo section, it's just, it's all pretty mellow. Yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah. Imagine if that wasn't the solo. If they the solos were different, maybe <laughs> I wouldn't have it as yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got at number eight? I've got another life. Another life. Okay, okay. I have your number eleven. I have murders in the room morgue at number eight. And Okay. I could have swapped it with Prodigal Son and it wouldn't have bothered me, but that's it's at number eight. So Sure. Yep. What do you have at seven? Is the song all on its own? The ads of March. Oh wow. Okay. Uh at number seven I have Twilight Zone. 
Okay. So I'm starting to think we're not going to match Very anything much there. else. <laughs> we so, might, we might just get one more. There's the pot. There is one possibility that I am. Ooh, no, I don't think you're going to, yeah. I don't think we're going to get that one. I think, okay. I, I think I know uh, what you're thinking of and I don't think it's going to happen. So uh, what do you have at number? Okay. You said number six already. No, I'm just about to say number six, prodigal son. Prodigal Son, okay, okay. And I'm naming one here that I think you named already. Uh, number six is Another Life for me. Oh, yeah, my number eight. So, okay, so far, if we stop right here, we mm-hmm. have, that I know for a fact you haven't named, there's four that you haven't, one, two, there's three that you have not named that I know we have a chance on, because some of them you have named. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, uh, you said I said another life. So what's your number five? Drifter. Ooh, golly! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's definitely. I not think gonna be- um, I think Lord Andrew of Sussex would probably have it even higher still. Are you serious? Yeah, he's a big fan of this song. Wow. He 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 baffles me. He has Drifter higher than this, but he doesn't like um, the Talisman. <laughs> boggles my well, mind. Uh, I'm putting words in his mouth, but I'm sure he'll let us know. I- I'm just going to share a little word with him right now. Andrew, I think the talisman is better than every song on this album. <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, different is what it is. It's definitely different. But for me, it's better. I prefer it. I'll say it like that. I prefer it to every song on this album. Uh, and I do like, there's there's definitely a few. We're, now we're really getting to the ones that are... I'll cr- tell you what, I found it hard. Um, I wouldn't have been able to this week, because I was listening to all stuff from this era, I wouldn't have felt like listening to Sinjutsu or Book of Souls. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You and I do to- like that era, but, yeah. you know, I'm just coming from here. Yeah, sure. They're sure. just like two completely different bands almost, aren't they? Yeah, I'm listening to this album and and just begging for Book of Souls and Senjutsu. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, sure. Now we now okay now we. Right. Uh, I said did I say my number five. Did you say your number five? I can't remember. Uh, Genghis Khan is my number five. So okay. So now we still have we have four songs left. There's a good chance we'll match something up here. I guess we got four songs left, mm-hmm. and three of them, three of these four, neither one of us have named yet. So. Uh, what is Exciting. your, what is, yeah, I know. What is your number four? Twilight Zone. Okay. So now we have two songs that have a chance to match up. <laughs> my number four, I think this will maybe surprise you a tiny bit. My number four is Wrathchild. That's <laughs> well, it's top four. That's not too surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what is your number? I think I know what your number one is. Yeah, it wasn't probably hard to figure out. What's your number I'm three? we might not have a matchup. Yeah, now. I think. I My think... number three is Innocent Exile. Mm, yeah, I have a feeling we're going to have a swap there. Uh, my number three is Killers. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. no matches here. No matches here. No, I don't, that's not going to be. So tell me, your no- <laughs> tell me your number one and your number two. My number two is Rothschild. Okay. And my number one is Killers. Yeah, I can't fault you for that. I can't fault you for either of those. That's uh, that's solid. Those are solid picks. And my number one is Innocent Exile. And my number two, all the way at number two, is Ides of March. <laughs> so, um, Brilliant. The, 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, because you're just so into the drums, aren't you? And also, Paul's not singing on it. Yeah, yeah. And you notice I had... And had, also, a quick song's a good song. Yes. Two instrumentals in Unless my top five. Empire of the Clouds. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Innocent Exile, I, 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 and from what I recall, I'm sure I'll read it in Lewis's book too, but Innocent Exile mm. was a song that I think Bruce only sang live once or twice. I want to say only once. And it just didn't fit with his uh, vocal style. Like him singing it just didn't work. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's a shame because I really like that song. It's a lot of fun. It's a good one. So, well, Yeah, but would you like it as much if Nico was playing it as well? Uh, you know, what's the song that he completely butchered up on that? Uh, I think it was Remember Tomorrow on... There's that famous mm. video. It's like from 2005, I believe, when they did that uh, early years tour or whatever it was. The uh, Yeah. And he played. I mean, it's not that he can't play it, but he just, it's like he couldn't play it, it without adding. Couldn't play it like. Yeah. He just kept trying to add yeah. so much. And I'm just like, Nico, chill and just let the song go, man. Let it be instead of, you know, being a dental drummer, you know, filling in every hole. Yeah. So, but, um, I think he just gets excited. Oh yeah. As a drummer. He just loves to drum. Yeah. I'll admit. I mean, it's, uh, I had a friend that I used to play with at times and one of the coolest compliments he ever gave me. And I've always thought it was cool. And, and I hate to say this is one way I might be better than Nico. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> stupid to say, but he would always tell me, he said, you know, one of the best things about you, or maybe he was telling me I was a crap drummer. He said, one of the mm. best things is, you know, when not to play, he said, cause a lot of people drummers, you want you, drumming is so fun. You want to just play, 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 play everything. You want to do big drum rolls everywhere and just cool stuff everywhere. But he said, you, you know when not to play, which I always, I took that as a huge compliment because I've been around and seen drummers that, you know, just play too much. Like, hey, when you need to pull back a little bit, they're doing too, way too much. And I'm just like, I'd always be thinking, yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. But, but don't get me wrong. I love, love Nico's. The only thing I don't like about Nico's drumming is I can't play any of it because it's so hard. It's so good. <laughs> He's too good for me to play. Yeah. So, but Mark, uh, I, I mentioned that the most hated man in podcast land was here uh, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And usually when he comes over, he'll bring his guitar and his amp and we'll play, you know, we'll come up here and we'll play like, you know, some black Sabbath songs or something. And he told me, he said, yeah, I learned the trooper so we could play the trooper. We didn't get to play. Uh, we didn't have time. He's like, man, I, I learned the trooper. Oh. And I just remember thinking, that's eh, probably better. We didn't play. I probably would have really botched that one up. <laughs> so, but um, well, you could practice, practice, practice till he comes back. Yeah, I'm definitely going to work on that because it's I think be it's fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely won't be able to play it as good. But just to be able to play mm. along with someone doing that'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, and that's what it's about. It's not about how good you are, is it? It's about how much fun you have. It's a mix. <laughs> it's a mix. <laughs> if you're really <laughs> bad. Thank you. Listen, is it? Right, right, right. So, um, well, I think it's, this is good because now we're starting out the year. We've gotten what by a lot of people is considered to be a really good Iron Maiden out of the way. There are some really fantastic songs on this album. It's just not the style I'm into as much, you know, just 
Mm-hmm. There's no, it's like you said, it's a really one track album kind of in a way. Everything's really aggressive mostly. So, but yeah, there's some really good stuff on here. Uh, and obviously two huge factors on this album, the first album with Adrian Smith and the first album with, um, Martin Birch producing. And another quick fact from Lewis's book. And this may have been said before, but, but he said it a lot more matter of fact is that when Dennis Wilcock left the band and the other guitar player, I can't remember his name at the time he left the band in 1978, Adrian was approached by Dave Murray. Do you want to join Iron Maiden in 1978 before Paul Diano was even in the band? To which yeah. he said, no, Urchin's going to make it kind of thing. So, which is cool. He believed in himself and that's awesome. But it, it's weird to think of what it would yeah, have been right. like. What would it have been like if um, he had never made it into the band? I mean, or if he had, if he had joined the band and, there's an episode that I've um, been thinking about doing and I'll mention it right here. Uh, I think I've mentioned it to you, but you a, have? a series of what ifs, you know, and there's tons of them, but one of them is, you know, a couple of questions. What if Adrian, this is the one that's not on there yet, but it will be. What if Adrian wasn't in the bank or what if he had joined in 78 instead of Dennis Stratton? And of course the other one, the alternative mm. is what if Dennis Stratton had stayed in the band and Adrian never joined. So, but that's a fun episode I definitely want to do because I think that'll be a lot of fun conversation. I've been, I, it's literally a conversation I've had with Matt already. <laughs> so, because we go through all of them, you know, me and Matt, we, when we oh, go. Oh, it's a shame you didn't record it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Hopefully it will get recorded though. So, hopefully it will one day. Yeah. So, hopefully all three of us can record it. So, but. Oh, it'd be nice to speak to Matt again. Yeah, he, he's he's out there, folks. He's He's hopefully going to be back really soon, so. I know, I know Kirsty misses him. I miss him being on here. I tell him every single time that I can't wait for him to come back. So, um, but I guess, you know, with all of that said, I can't wait to just be um, driving my car and not myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think that about wraps everything up. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? No, just, this is a brilliant album. Maybe, maybe Paul was, was crying to get out of Iron Maiden. Please take me away. <laughs> and he got his wish. <laughs> so um, I'm glad we got this done though, because like I said, I wanted to start out with a, with a album that's a banger. And I know that a lot of people love this album. You know, I like a lot of it, not all of it, but I'm glad that we got to do it. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, Kirsty, because I know we've been on the line for a little while now. So uh, not as long as we usually yeah, are, but <laughs> we're gaining. So, but yeah, thank you for doing this, and I'm looking forward to the next one because we, uh, I think we've got a pretty uh, fun one coming up next too. So, yeah. All right. So, cheers. Oh wait, cheers. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. So, on behalf of, <laughs> on behalf, it's 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 late night, Uncle Steve here. On behalf of myself, on behalf of uh, Sarah, who made a guest appearance just a minute ago that won't be heard by anybody. On behalf of Matt, who hopefully will be heard soon. On behalf of Kirsty. From Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the boys.
Hold on one second, because uh, Sarah just walked in here. I brought you a water. You brought me a water? Oh, what a great kid. You want to say hi to Kirsten? Aww.